Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning through the screen here on the computer. You didn't know I could see you, did you? You can see me, but <laughs> but it's good to see you all here this morning to, to sense your presence as we continue our study of the letter to the Philippians by St. Paul. And we have had a wonderful time studying this text together and looking at this marvelous missionary and considering his life and his journeys and his arduous task as they spread the word of God is just phenomenal. And it's, it builds us up and encourages us as we hear what he says and listen to his love for these little young new churches that he has birthed here in this holy land of Philippi, Philippi. Let us begin, I think, with a, a prayer together. Why don't we pray for a moment as a way of invoking God's presence. Now, Heavenly Father, we just take this moment to bless you and invite you into what we're doing here. We thank you for the opportunity, and I, I want to pray that, that uh, those that are listening may be happy in the Lord. And find joy this morning. I want to pray that, Lord. I want to also pray that they will have a sense of that being healthy, uh, studying the Word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help them to, to, to be healthy. If there's any sickness, if there's any pain or sorrow within the sound of this voice, then we just let Jesus work on that through the study of this Word. And, Lord, give them a peaceful heart. Help them to begin this day knowing that you are in their hearts, and therefore they're going to be gentle and peaceful and moderate all day long. We do so pray. Thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. Well, I'm going to read this text. Now, here's what we're going to do. There are four chapters in Philippians. We've looked at each one. And it's been just grand experience. We're down now to the fourth chapter. And we're reading at the fourth chapter of Philippians, which is the final chapter. Paul is sort of wrapping up what, what he wants to say. Now, I'm going to divide it into two parts. We'll take this morning verses 1 through oh, roughly 14 and read that to you, 1 through 14. And then the the rest of the rest of the letter, the shorter half, while while it's it's it has a lot of wonderful information in it, it's short enough so that whoever has it can do a wrap up of Philippians itself. So that, that's the way I thought we would come at this this morning. Um, if you want to join me in reading, then turn to Philippians chapter four and get your Bible and. Put it down there and get your get your coffee or whatever you need to support you today through this trial, <laughs> and take that take that along with you, and settle in. And I'm going to use the Living Bible to read. This is a translation of the of the word, uh, a version, but it's a good one because it's very common English language in it. And I'm going to read now at the fourth chapter 
and the first verse. I hope you have turned there. 4, 1. Dear Brother Christians, I love you and long to see you, for you are my joy and my reward for my work. My beloved friends, stay true to the Lord. And now, I want to plead with those two dear women, Eudius and Syntyche. Please, please, with the Lord's help, quarrel no more. Be friends again. And I ask you, my true teammate, to help these women, for they work side by side with me in telling the good news to others. And they worked with Clement, too, and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are written in the book of life. Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Let everyone see that you are unselfish and considerate in all you do. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God your needs and don't forget to thank him for his answers. If you do this, you will experience God's peace, which is far more wonderful than the human mind can understand. His peace will keep your thoughts and your hearts quiet and at rest as you trust in Christ Jesus. And now, brothers, as I close this letter, let me say this one more thing. Fix your thoughts on what's true and good and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely. and Dwell on the fine, good things in others. Think about all you can praise God for and be glad about. Keep putting into practice all you learned from me and saw me doing. And the God of peace will be with you. How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you are helping me again. I know you've always been anxious to send what you could, but for a while... You didn't have the chance. Now that I was, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to get along happily, whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing, or with everything. I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, whether it be a full stomach or hunger, plenty. Or want. For I can do everything God asked me to do with the help of Christ, who gives me strength and power. And even so, you have done right in helping me in my present situation. There ends a reading of the word of the Lord for this day. Now, having read the word all i'm going to do is look around and try to see if we can 
interpret some of it so that we can learn from it, do a little interpretation, and then when I finish up, I'm going to do a little application. I'll probably do some of that going along through too, but that's the general idea of what I'm going to do. So you can sit back and just go verse by verse with me. I'm going to just reread the text, actually, partially, using the King James Version. And the reason I do do that is so that I can access the Strong's Concordance. It's spelled S-T-R-O-N-G. Strong's Concordance has its setup to, to the King James Version. So if I hit on a word that I've read this morning that I find I'd like to know more about, I can go to that number in Strong's Concordance, and it'll tell me what the meaning of that word is. It not only will tell me what the Greek is, but it'll give me valuable footnotes and lessons on the word. So that's a little tool you might want to consider. You can get an application to go in your telephone, actually, that has the King James Version, and also allow a paralleling that is Strong's Concordance. So you can do it right on your, right on, right on your phone. It's a very, very wonderful thing. But let, let me read verse 1 in King James now. Therefore, my brother, dearly beloved, and longed for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, dearly beloved. <clears throat> he starts off that way here. In this first, first, in telling them that they are his crown and his joy. That to, to him, they, he loves them like royalty. That is, he lays himself down for them. And then he jumps right into this verse 2 about Eudeus and Syntyche. Now, uh, <clears throat> I'm doing the best I can with this, with this uh, word for this woman. Syntyche and Eudeus. I beseech you to your beseech since I get that they be of the same mind of the Lord. What's happened here is what happens in a lot of churches. You have two strong personalities going at one another for some reason or the other. We don't know what it is. It doesn't matter. It could one of the biggest fights I ever saw in the church was over a teacup that somebody thought they left behind in the fellowship hall and, and then this one thing came to another. Next thing you know, Two wonderful church ladies were just all of a sudden mad at one another and never seemed to get over it. It can happen. It happened here in this early church. And they were, who knows what their jobs were, what their functions were. But we do know that this was a church that was founded basically by a, a Paul, but about a good woman named Lydia. You remember she was the lady that Paul went down to the river and ran into this woman was a seller of blue purple and he he just she was the basis of the church so she probably attracted this Eudeus and Syntyche and all of a sudden they were in the fight now Paul hears about it wants to try to see if he can put an end to it and uh, he says I want you to be of the same mind he says in verse 2 of the, of the same mind that means to be uh, together in what it is they're working on and he's, I entreat thee to help these women who labor with me in the gospel. He wants the help given to them. And what he's looking for, he don't know yet because it hadn't been invented, but it's called mediation. He needs somebody to stick a neck out and get in the middle of that church fight between them two women. Well, I'll pray for whoever does it. 
But it is the truth of the matter that sometimes conflict has to be mediated among the people of the Lord. Well, how do you do that? Well, you have to have special training for it. For one thing, I would, I would advise you to get some training before you try to break up an argument that's been going on for a long time. Uh, the best thing to do is have, have some professional mediation. But if you have to do it yourself, what you have to do is to get each side to be able to hear the other one. You set them down and you fix, fix it so that one can tell one to the other one what's go, what's what they, what's the matter with them, and the other one has to be quiet. Now you'll have to enforce that. That one will be quiet while this one speaks. That one will be quiet while the other one speaks. And you'd be surprised that what often is the problem is just miscommunication of some sort. Some sort of miscommunication has occurred, and when by talking back and forth and really listening to one another, suddenly the problem goes away and 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 it's, it's over. So it'd be a time for rejoicing if this can happen. Because Paul doesn't want this argumentation going on, these quarrels. Quarrels can hurt a church. Pull it down. And in verse 3, I must entreat thee also. Help them, he says, because they labored with me. And then in verse 4, is that wonderful verse that we all know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Because he believes that this moderation is going to bring this argument to a close. Now, you know something? This is the first time that Paul has made a specific request of mediation in an argument in a church. I find it very, very interesting. It's something that's new to him. You can tell by the way he's talking about it and writing about it. He wants now to think in terms of moderation. Moderation, he says, uh, let your moderation be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. He says that there in verse 5. So it's interesting that he's toning down. He's sort of dialing back on enthusiasm a little bit so that reasonably these 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 church fights might not break out so much. Or at least that's what it seems to me it is. Be known unto all men that the Lord is at hand. So this eschatological looking for the Lord Jesus to come any minute is supposed to, in his mind, be an area where you're not going to be fighting and fussing all the time. You're not going to be worried about who overdid the fried chicken. You're going to be thinking about what in the world is going to happen when Jesus comes again. All because the Lord is close at hand. That's Paul's word. It's also written in the book of John. That way, Jesus is at hand. He's, he's right as close as your hand. Right, right close to your hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So you have that the Lord is just, be, wants you to, Paul wants them to be, be, be not careful for nothing, but, but concerned with prayer. Take everything to God in prayer and make a list of, supplicating list of it, and then with thanksgiving, let those requests be known. Of course, thanksgiving refers to the Eucharist and communion. Bring that to the table, and then along with the bread and the wine, distribute unto God prayers of thanksgiving, that the requests may be made known to God. And then you have over here, you've got verse 7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
shall keep your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Now you've heard that before. That's a benediction that we have used for years because the words are so so special to us. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Ever heard that? Show? Yeah. Preacher does that when he's letting you go home after sitting that too long to a dog. Well, the hearts and the minds are the feelings and the emotions. So feelings and emotions are against over and against the reason of a person. So he wants those things kept kept closely together. Now, then you have verse 8, which is, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. You've heard that before, too. There's a long litany of behavior patterns that Paul's expecting of these people, which is over above the petty church fight, which is going on between Eudeus and Syntyche. It's like being fighting over the communion table while, while he's trying to teach them about the virtues that come with being a Christian. It's a new Christian thing, too, by the way. Ethic. This ethic that Paul lays out here, truth, honesty, justice, purity, loveliness. There's not anything new about it. It's just the way that he brings these things together and, and, and makes them plain to us. Honesty is a word that reflects character. You know, you, you need to consider your character because it's important to the Lord. Justice is important to the Lord. By that, I mean equitable justice. Uh, today, uh, justice is almost an uh, idol in the world today. If justice issues are everywhere. Everybody wants, wants justice. And sometimes they'll forget about Jesus, but looking for justice is awful. But it's important. Paul lays it out here. It's whatsoever things are just and equitable. That's, that's what you think about. Whatever is pure, that means clean or, or, or good. Whatever's of a good report, that is, you, uh, people speak well of the church and what's in it. These are virtues that would go on to make up the basis of Christian ethics. So Christian ethics is different from just ordinary ethics. It's uh, different in many ways. It has a gentler nature, a, a, a much more easygoing nature. But at the same time, it's a laudation. Of what we are as Christian people. And you want to ask yourself, take an inventory and discipline yourself to say to yourself, am I really honest with others? Am I really true? Do I, do I believe in what's true and just and pure and good? See, it's, it's, to be a Christian means a behavior which is different from the rest of the world. Surprising thing that Paul does is take this Christianity, take this missionary journey, turn it into a church, and then define for it how it ought to behave. And they learn from it. They learn that it's important 
modesty is important, for example. To be immodest is not a part of Christian ethic. But many don't care anymore, but we, we do and should. And we, we learn these things from Paul, and, and we have received them and heard them. And now what we try to do is to do them, to do them. So in the old days, you know, I told you long ago, if you said you were a Christian, it meant something. It didn't just mean you went to church. It didn't mean a thing other than the fact that you were a person of character. You could be depended on for certain things. Sometimes the expectations that people had for Christians were way too high. But another time they were way too low. Because Christians are a different breed of dog. They're not the same. They're, they're different. So, as we come down to verse 10, he says, But I be rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me has flourished again, wherein we were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. He wants him to know that he loved them so much, and that they didn't get a chance to, to do what they wanted to do, and he knows that. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in Whatever state I am therein to be content. A verse of contentment. You ever heard that before? I think it's a wonderful verse. I have learned ought to be content with all I've learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. The state of being contented is a wonderful thing. It's a Christian thing. It's a Christian deal. Uh, some people call it religious, but it isn't necessarily religious. To be contentment. One just has to face up to the fact that they're happy with what they got. Happy with what God has given them. They're not only happy with it, but they find joy in it. And so he maintains here, I know both in verse uh, 12, I know both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer. So there is that verse, but what, what the sense there is a sense of balance. I know you see it. Uh, you see the balance between uh, these things, abounding and suffering. It's important to, to get that, that he's full and hungry. This is a man who's been, has had times when he's starved. This is a man who's had time when he's passionately suffered deeply been beaten so he, he talks as he closes this letter with his sense of his balance and he gets that balance also from the Christian virtue that he has learned from Jesus because Jesus see is walking with St. Paul. Paul has always maintained that God is with him God is walking with him and his Holy Spirit is right there with him and that's what we need see that's what we need the Holy Spirit with us so if you look at the last one I'm going to think about here is uh, verse uh, 13, and we've got, he says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And uh, that's a wonderful verse. Uh, in this verse, we hear that uh, he, he's, Christ gives him strength. I mean, what, what does Christ give you? Uh, you say, uh, you want more than just joy. And sometimes you need power. Sometimes you need strength. Sometimes you're so weak you don't know what to do. God in Christ gives you strength. 
I can do all things too. Paul said that, see, he had accomplished much in his life. And now he's looking back on it from prison and remembering that some of the things that he's done. Man alive, think about some of the things he's done. Shipwrecks wandering around, bringing the word of God and taking it, birthing churches all up and down that Mediterranean. Think of the things he's seen. Jerusalem, Rome, and nothing. He, he did all those things. I can do it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do you know how you get strong? I go to the gym. They they put weight on me. <laughs> they put weight on me, man. They say, you got to have resistance. You need strength. So the, the higher the weight, the better I like it. Because, I mean, it means that I'm getting strength from it. I'm being empowered, getting strengthened. And another thing is repetition. you got to have reps. What do you call reps? R-E-P-S. Reps means repetition. So whatever you're doing, you get resistance, and then you get repetition. you got to have ten times, Gene, ten times. One, two, three. See, repetition is what Paul knew about. Repetition is what the church is about. You know what? You go to church when? Once a month? No, every Sunday. That's repetitious. Reps, reps, reps. Communion is that way. You take communion often enough, long enough, and you get to suffer hard enough, it'll become clear to you what it really is. So, I can do all things. Don't tell me you can't do something. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Well, that's the end of that. That's the end of our interpretation this morning. I'm looking forward to another time to conclude that chapter. I wanted to uh, just tell you a couple of things in conclusion here. Uh, let me say that that as we look back, we have episodes in Philippians that were in the book of Acts. You remember that. In the 16th chapter of the book of Acts, you will find uh, the story of Philippi. One is the Lydia's conversion. There's an exorcism of a slave girl that takes place in, in Philippi. And Paul and Silas are thrown in prison in Philippi. And the jailer in, in Philippi becomes converted and his whole family is saved. This is one of the seedbeds of the idea of infant baptism. That his whole family was, was baptized off like that. So it must have included everybody. And it may have included children and everybody else. So that, that's where that comes from. That notion comes from. What if you wrote a letter to your church? And it was one of the last ones you'd ever be able to write. What would you say to them? Well, I'll tell you what. I believe it would be very much like this letter. Very much. I believe you'd, the first thing you'd think about is, well, first of all, I want to tell you all to stop fighting. I wish somebody would please tell Aunt Maggie and Ms. Blake to not fight no more in this, in this church. Would you please tell them that? And then you'd go right on in there, dissect the rest of it. And finally, you'd wind up saying, if you're weak like I am, you can be strong. All you have to do is trust in Jesus. I guarantee you that's what you'd probably write. I think it might be a lot like this letter we wrote. For those of you that were interested in the uh, in, in, in the, in the Bible study uh, uh, and the struggle between Judea and Syntyche, you can, there's a lady named Janet Thompson that writes Bible studies. Now, I stumbled across this, 
and I would just invite it to you to think about. She has a women's Bible study that has to do with these two women and talks a lot about conflict. And it's a great thing, but she's written others like that. One is between Lois and Eunice. Remember those two, the mother and the grandmother. Mary and Martha. Remember those two, of course. And the fundamental conflict between them and then Elizabeth and Mary. She talks about, plays those two off of one another. And a Bible study with booklets on all one of those. Well, I'm not selling that, but it's, it's made by the uh, ChristianBook.com. ChristianBook.com. But it is a good way to go in a little bit in deeper into this subject that we have here this morning about this woman Bible study. Women, you know, uh, bring a, a dynamic to church that is powerful. Women are powerful in church. I was taught in seminary, if you want to get it moving, put a woman in it. And it works that way. It just works. I've had men, you know, who were trustees, been trustees in the church for years and years, taking care of the building grounds, and nobody ever taking care of the building grounds. Just a bunch of old men that met once a year. Well, I put Art Maggie on the committee, all right? Uh, I put her on there. Now, boy, she shook them up good. It wasn't long before we had new paint on the front doors. We were starting to look good because I put a woman in it. That's that's why. Another thing, too, to think about is a lot of times, you know, uh, women want to know what men are thinking. And it's important because they, they need to know, and they can figure you out. They can size a man up like a plate glass window. He thinks, he thinks he's, you know, not going to have that happen, but it does. They know more than you think, but 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 a woman uh, who is always worried about what a man is thinking, and the thing is, men probably aren't thinking anything. That's, we just don't think. Period. So it's it's the way it works. I mean, they say they say, well, you know, I wonder what the men would think. They don't think. <laughs> they don't think about anything. Well, they don't. So that's the end of the story for you today. It's right on, right on 9.30, and I'm glad to be here, and I know you uh, are glad, too. I, I, I want you to say that the Lord is good. He is the joy of the world and the joy of life. So let me, let, let me have a prayer with you. Let us pray. Oh, Jesus, how good you are, how sweet, how dear. We bless you. We honor you. Now, go with us the rest of this day. Help us to be happy. Help us to be a people of virtue. Help us, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Goodbye. Hey, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. All right. Estrela alva brilha em mim Brilha a luz que inunda o meu viver Yeah.